0: Last week, if you were here, we began with kind of a video of a guy and a girl getting ready for their wedding, but I didn't show you the end of the wedding, because after the ceremony's over and the wedding party's departed, they're waiting on pictures, and everybody's still in the, the, the sanctuary, there's just one thing left to do. I have been an officiator of weddings, I think I've, they're probably 30 plus, and the last thing you do, you, you tell everybody... In a few minutes, we'll take pictures, and the reception is to follow in the fellowship hall or whatever. And then you look at mom and dad and you nod. And nobody else gets up until the parents get up and they go first. Because we want to respect and honor our parents. We live in a culture today that does not respect and honor the older generation. Youth is idolized in old age. Honestly, it's just become a burden. Listen to this. Our tolerant culture, love that language, our tolerant culture has zero tolerance for aging, which has produced a cult of perpetual youth. In the resulting frenzy to appear young, Americans annually spend an amount on cosmetic procedures sufficient to feed and clothe 54 million starving children. Devoutly honoring this superficiality of appearance, we look with longing towards youth, with loathing towards the age of maturity. We desperately don't want to grow up and give up childish ways. So rather than showing the aged honor, we despise them. Dishonoring maturity, however, is not just a problem of our image, our image driven youth. Seeing the tendency in 16th century Geneva, John Calvin cautioned from his deathbed. Here's Calvin who wrote the Institutes. On his deathbed, this is what he says. Let the young continue to be modest without wishing to put themselves forward too much. For there is always a boastful character in young folks who push on despising others. Perversely, our culture makes it a virtue to push on despising others, especially parents. UCLA professor Jared Diamond argues, and watch this, with technology and an inexhaustible access to information, we no longer need the mature as a source of wisdom. And it got me thinking, with we can Google it. And when we used to go to the aged and said, teach me, show me, now we can just find that information. And according to the statistics, there's no longer a need for the older generation. And that is just biblically wrong. I, 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 I want to let you know who this is for. If you're a parent of a child, would you please stand? If you're a parent of a child, please stand. This sermon is for you. This is in honor of you. So you may be seated. Thank you for being parents of children. Now, if you're the child of a parent, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yes, this sermon is also for you. I wondered if everybody was going to get that. Another way I was going to open this is I was going to talk about Titus and older men and older women, but I didn't want anyone to feel embarrassed. But the fact that I could say older, if I say older women and there would be women who were embarrassed about that, that's the problem I want to address. The older generation should not feel embarrassed, it's a fact of age. And it's a fact that deserves our honor. This sermon is about respect and honor to those who've gone before us and protected us and provided for us. Uh, Indirectly, this is a sermon um, about manhood and womanhood. And it's also going to show us about biblical rewards. My goal is for us in the end to look up to those God has placed over us. But I also wanted you to know and I realize some of you may have grown up in a dishonorable home. Um, some of you have grown up and maybe have have not had a chance yet to reconcile, I want to offer you grace and hope. If you're hurting, I want to offer you hope. Uh, If you feel guilty, I want to offer you grace. And that's what I intend to show in the latter part of this sermon. And so what we're going to look at today is I'll, I'll I'll read the summary that we've been walking through, and then we'll turn to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The one God that's Commandment 1, who is incomparable. Commandment 2, should be treated as holy. Commandment 3, and made a priority. Commandment 4, knowing this, we should love and glorify God by, and here's the first commandment, as, as Travis read earlier, the first commandment with a promise, by building a society. And you're going to see why I use that language. That honors life, relationships, property, and the truth, with hearts satisfied in Him. What you're going to see today is you're going to see this command, this fifth command systematically explained, you're going to see it properly expanded, much like we've been doing in all of what we're doing here. These commandments are are essential. They're the essentials that that expand into other areas of life. We're going to see the command sinfully ignored. We're going to see its extraordinary exceptions. We're going to see it perfectly fulfilled and faithfully applied. And so we begin with just two verses, Exodus 20, verse 12 in Deuteronomy 5, 16 and 20. You see, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you it 's a simple command. It, it gives you an action, it gives you someone to follow, and then it gives you a reason in deuteronomy five sixteen it's the exact same wording with two additions: Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, referring back to exodus twenty twelve that your days may be long. And that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And so we're just going to walk through basically the who, what, when, where, and why's of these verses. The what? Honor. Reverence. It comes from the root word of glory that means heavy. And there's a weightiness to this honor. It's giving someone preference. It's taking someone seriously. It's making them feel important. That is the what? It is a heaviness. There is a seriousness to honoring your father and your mother. And the who? Mom and dad. Honor your father and your mother. Now, it goes without saying, but I have to say it, that this assumes manhood and womanhood. And it should go without saying that this assumes traditional family. I prefer to use the word biblical family. Honor your father, male, and your mother, female, who came together in holy matrimony. That's the first thing Genesis teaches us. It gives us creation. It describes creation. And the very first teaching of the Bible, as a man shall leave his father and his mother, not his father and his father, not his mother and his mother, Not a pseudo father and mother, but his father and his mother, the two shall cleave and they shall go on. And so from here, you see, those are assumed. But today you have to explain this, especially in this generation. You have to explain there's a male and there's a female and they come together. And what comes from them is a family. That is the who you honor your father and mother. And we're going to see. It starts with your own father and mother. Physically, and it will be expanded. Why? Why should we do this? That your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. There's three reasons why. Two of them are explicit and one of them is implicit. Really, it's explicit if you go to other parts of the Scriptures. The first and foremost, it's right here, that your days may be long in the land that your God is giving you. Psalm 90 says your days are numbered, and so it's not a guarantee. Sometimes the good do die young. But there is a promise here. And we can't ignore it. It's repeated in the New Testament. So we'll get to it. And so this isn't about, well, God's numbered my days. I shouldn't, I don't need to worry about anything. No, no, no. There's a promise here that if we honor our fathers and mothers, our days could be longer. Skip Ryan says this. It helps to remember this is given to a to a nation in covenant with God, and more to the nation than each individual person. Skip Ryan says in his sermon on this, honor your parents. Those who foster a society where old age is honored will themselves reap the benefits of that society as they grow old. Much can be told about a society by the way it cares for the elderly. And when I read that, I stopped. I said, whoa. Much can be said about a society by the way it cares for its elderly. Just let that sink in. How are we doing, America? and caring for our elderly. We got people like Dr. Kevorkian. He says, well, when they get to a certain age, let's not let them be a burden. Let's just take their lives. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible would say. Honor your father and mother. There's the first one. The second one is there's repercussions. To dishonor was a serious offense. In the law, if you trace it out in Exodus 21, Leviticus 20, Deuteronomy 27... You see that dishonor was a capital offense. That if you dishonored your father and mother, you're a dead man. The wisdom books uh, take this principle given in the law and they make it no less graphic. In Proverbs 20:20, 20, 20, if one curses his father or mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. Proverbs 30:17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Young kids, now let's just describe that. I don't want you going home going, oh my, (laughs) there's a bird flying. No, no, no. It's poetic, but it's talking about the seriousness, the seriousness. And here's here's why. You, You have rewards, you have repercussions, and here it is, the reality of this. Our existence on this earth is dependent on our parents. Sometimes you've got to say the obvious. You're like, thanks, Pastor. You're brilliant. No, I'm not. You just have to say the obvious. Proverbs 23, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. The very fact that I'm sitting here is because Phil Rumley and Sharon Rumley... Really, Phil Rumley got together with Sharon Nelson. They married and she became Sharon Rumley and they had their eldest son, July 9th, 1973. I'm not here apart from them. So the reality of it is we should honor our fathers and mothers because they gave us life. Ultimately, we give glory to God because he is sovereign over the process. But in humanly speaking, the reality is we wouldn't be here without our parents. Amen. So that is the command just systematically explained. Here's the what, here's the who, and here's the why. But I want to use this familial language because it permeates the entire scripture. You, You get the immediate family. There's mom and dad and the promise of a better, longer life. This is the basic social unit of life, and this is where we begin, but we don't end here. Families make up neighborhoods. Neighborhoods make up towns or cities. Cities make up counties. Counties make up states. States make up countries. Countries make up the world. Martin Luther said it like this in the 1500s. What is a city but a collection of houses where if father and mother rule badly and let their children have their own way, he said this in the 1500s. There is nothing new other than the son. If children have their own way, there, then neither city nor town nor village, district, that should have a T on there, my bad, kingdom or empire can be well and peacefully governed, unless that's an old English spelling bin. I don't know. But here's the point. <laughs> Beautiful. Here's the point. Fathers and mothers have a responsibility to raise their children up. And do not let their children have their own way. In in preparing for this sermon, I was reading the sermon of Alistair Begg, who said his daughter was going to live and be a nanny of a couple. And the couple was kind of going through the rules. And one of the rules of the couple to his daughter, who is a nanny, was you cannot tell my child no. That is where we live today. children have their own way. And they don't even get what it means to honor father and mother. You see it in in manners. You see it. Uh, My father-in-law from Texas. Now, the South gets some grief for a lot of things they do. Okay. But one thing they do well that doesn't happen in the North, and I've got a nodder in the back from the South, is we are told from the very beginning, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. The other day, Luke, would you do this? Yup. No, sir. It's not yup. It's yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Manners matter. I was told at a young age, you call him sir until he says, call me by another name. It's just what you do. In the north that somehow faded out, I don't understand it. The South may not get a lot of things right, but that's one thing. Whether it's done just out of mere uh, moralism, the point is you honor those who go before you by how you talk to them. A nation cannot be strong if the family is weak. The family is the basic social unit. However, families are the basic educational unit, and for better or for worse, we are the product of our parents. This is not to say we can't change, but there are days when I catch myself and I'm saying, that is exactly how my daddy would have said it. And there are days when I want to keep the things that he taught me from a young age, and there are things that I have not kept. But this immediate idea of families, the father and mother in the immediate family, expands to the human family. The language is there in the Bible, and you see it even in our own history. Uh, forefathers. In Judges 5.7, Deborah is called a mother in Israel. 1 Samuel 24.11 and 16, David called Saul my father. Saul was the king. David was under him. He said, my father. Saul called him my son. In 2 Kings 5.13, even outside the nation of Israel, Naaman's servants called him father. This familial language has been expanded from your immediate family to the extended human race. And so Saul, even in the idea of people and promises, gave a promise to David that he blessed David and to be rewarded in 1 Samuel 24, 19. You shall be blessed, David, because he honored him as a father, as a son would a father. And so it expands from our immediate family to the extended human family. So anytime, and I don't do this perfectly, but I try, anytime I see someone who is older than me, I try. Give them deference because that person has gone before you. That person is valuable. That person can invest into your life. And it's not about what they can give me, but they deserve it because they've gone before me. And too often, and I've said this to our and I'm going to use the word older because we shouldn't be ashamed. I've said this to our older couples, and though, is I need y'all to get in these other small groups with usins. That's good Texan right there. I need y'all to get in these groups with usins because if if I get in a group and everybody's my age, we're just going to perpetuate our stupidity. It's true now if we're going according to the scriptures the scripture will guide but then we we get all wise well in my vast 42 years that's a long time for some of you you're like man he's 42 he's an old man am i going to lose my hair that day but for others of you you're like 42 but you're just basic, you're just barely scratching the surface so we can learn from the older generation amen but it doesn't stop there we have our immediate family We have our extended family in a sense of the human race. But we have something bigger, something far more powerful, something far more eternal, and that is our spiritual family and honoring fathers and mothers within our spiritual family. I'll begin with the fatherhood of God. Ben rightly does check my slides, because he makes sure that I'm not spearing, spelling things with old English, he said, six twenty ten. that looks like a date, and it, and it is a date, and here's why it's a date. I, that was the second Father's Day I had been here, and I did a sermon, and it's not so much about my sermon, but it's the information that I discovered for myself. I constantly go back to it. I called it the ultimate father, the fatherhood of God. You can go out and, and get it. 620 or 617, 2010, but in there were seven to ten things about the fatherhood of God. All the verses, I took the time to get all the fatherhood verses in the Bible, collect them into one uh, outline, and you get God as the creator. God is the provider, the protector, the comforter, the redeemer, the teacher, the ruler, who gives direction, who gives discipline. By the way, the idea of discipline there is not just discipline in the negative sense, but in the corrective sense, in the training sense, in God's delight in his children. All about God the Father. He is the ultimate Father. And so when Chris Tomlin sings about him that he's a good, good father, he's a good, good father. Amen? Amen. And did you know there's a fatherhood of Jesus? Here's how we often see this verse. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we say, yeah, yeah, I get that. That everlasting father deals with God the father. No, it doesn't. Look at at the context. Let's look at the context. context. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, singular, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so if Jesus, who imaged his father perfectly, is rightly one who is creator, provider, comforter, redeemer, teacher, ruler. There's a fatherhood of Jesus. And those are the two Divine fathers, but I would say in some real sense, according to the scriptures, not according to my uh, logical deduction, according to the scriptures in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, and 8, Paul talks about the fatherhood and motherhood of pastors in ministry. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her old children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. And so there's something very familial and very real about being tender and affectionate and not just giving words on a page, but giving time and sweat and tears as mothers do. Also, Paul says in 11 and 12 of 1 Thessalonians 2, For you know how, like a father, each one of you, how we exhorted each one of you, encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls us into his own kingdom and glory. Fathers do that. They set the tone. They, they set uh, the pace. This is where we're headed. The father needs to have a vision. My life was changed when I heard Randy Stinson at a Denton Bible Church men's conference give nine things about what it means to be a leader, and the first one is to lead the man Carries the vision The father gives the vision to the family. this is where we're going. This is how we get there. Let me show you how. And so fathers, uh, you have a responsibility to set the vision for your family and mothers to come alongside that, beside them and, and encourage and to nurture. And one more there, in First Corinthians 4:14 4, and 17. Catch this. I do not write these things to you to make you ashamed. But to admonish you as my beloved children. Look at that family language. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Key phrase for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. There is a very rare, there is a very real sense that pastors, elders are to be spiritual fathers. I have a physical father named Phil Rumley. Love him. He went to be with the Lord a long time ago. And my disciples said, "You know, I think your, I think God had to take your physical father, so that you would." cling to him as God the Father, and then he immediately gave me a spiritual father in the man of Tom Nelson. And those of you who have met him and those of you who know me or have watched him uh, know the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I'm just like my spiritual daddy. I go verse by verse through the Bible. For some awkward reason, I use a credit card when I write. It's because that's what he did. But he is a spiritual father to me in that he set direction. He gave me discipline. That is, he taught me the scriptures and he corrected me when I did wrong. And he walked with me through those vital parts of my life. When I lost my physical father, God provided a man to walk alongside me and said, this is how we do it. This is what we do. And since then, he's given me other spiritual fathers, some of which are in this room who will walk Uh, who've gone before me and who will walk beside me and say, hey, we ought to do this. You ought to think about that. The fatherhood of pastors and elders and those older in the faith, I believe the Catholic Church takes it too far. We call them father and you don't address them anything but father and they wear a collar and it's, it's too much reverence is given. But I think the Protestant Church does not take it far enough. We don't take it far enough. Because there is some sense, and and, and we'll see when we come to the sinful aspects of not obeying the fifth commandment, is people don't want to be under authority. And that's why fathers and mothers are given. That's a part of it. It's not the only part of it, but a major part of it is provision and protection under the authority of parents. I, I would say, in a very real sense, Just catch the wording that I am a father who still needs to be parented by older men and women. If if it's what it says in Corinthians, and if it's what it says in Thessalonians, then it is true for us today, and we can't overlook it because we don't like the way the Catholic churches use that language. They got it wrong. But there's still an aspect where pastors and elders, shepherds of this church, there's a fatherhood aspect to it, a parenting aspect to it. That is, that is those who are in authority, but then there's a, a gathered people, the brothers and sisters, the children. Jesus said it like this. While he was still speaking to the people, his mother and brothers stood outside asking him. Asking to speak to him. His brothers, his mother and brothers, his physical family stood outside asking to speak to him. Listen to Jesus' words. These aren't made up. These are come, you can check them in your Bible. Jesus says, he replied to the man who told him. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Do you believe that? What Jesus just did right there is he said, Your unbelieving physical family, this is what he said, so don't miss this. Your unbelieving physical family is, is not that you, you're absolved from taking care of them or loving on them and being with them, but you're, it is now more important that you have a believing spiritual family. He just did that in that verse. Here's my mother and brother. Here's my true family. And we don't see that in this day and age because we're too focused on the family, and I use that purposefully. Don't miss the emphasis on your spiritual family. The spiritual family, why? Because Jesus knew something he didn't elaborate on here, but He He it's implied there. Your spiritual family, folks, those of you in here who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to heaven together. I may be the crazy uncle that's in your family. We're going to heaven together. You can call me the crazy uncle, that's fine. But we're going to heaven together for eternity. That's how important this family is. That's why for seven years, and it was mentioned in Sunday school, and I wrote it down, that's why for seven years, this is a spiritual family. Your family is not just you and your wife and your kids in, on your little block. That is not just your family. For, since she was old enough to hear it, we've been teaching her, and you can ask her after this. So be ready. How many families do you have? And she knows exactly how to answer. Physical family, spiritual family. It's that important. It's that important. Because there's a promise that comes with this spiritual family of which there's authority and people who are providing and caring and helping people walk. Peter replies in Matthew 19, See, we lift, we've left everything to follow you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you in the new world, when the son of man who will sit in his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, fathers or mothers or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. So there's a promise, just like there was a promise at the... Connected to the Ten Commandments, there's a promise here that's connected to how we live it out. But how have we lived it out? The command becomes sinfully ignored. Even before the law was given in Genesis 9, 22, Ham disrespected his father. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers outside. The, if you do the commentary work on that, his told his brothers was not just merely reporting the facts, it was kind of disrespectful in how he did it. And if you remember the story, the brothers came in and they walked backwards because they didn't want to see their father's nakedness and they laid a blanket or a coat over their father's. Even pre-law, it was inherent. You honor, Ham didn't do it, but his brothers did. You honor your father and your mother. And in this great list of Things in Romans of reprobate people, right there in Romans one thirty, you get this idea of disobedience to parents. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with the manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. Do you get the point? There's all these sins are being listed. They were gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and right there in the middle of it, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they knew God's righteous decree, and I think included in that is honoring father and mother, that those who practice such things deserve to die they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them hey let's get away with this your parents won't find out and so they're disobedient to parents i i, I could do a little survey here today raise your hand if you're here in this room today and we're never disobedient to your parents okay good That's what happens is is James Montgomery Boyce says, the dark side of honoring father and mother is we don't like authority. It is the sin beneath all other sins. It's the pride that says, I know better. And nobody, be they my physical family, my spiritual family, can tell me what to do. And though they know God's righteous decree, They not only do them, but give approval. You know what happened in the New Testament? In Matthew 15, the Pharisees, their parents were aging. They were supposed to honor their father and mother. Jesus quotes this, but I say to you, if anyone tells his father or mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father or mother. So for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God, you hypocrites. And he goes on to say, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. That they said, "Hey, if I'm if I should take care of my aging parents, I'll I'll just call this Corban, and I'll give this to God, and this will somehow wash me clean of it." And Jesus said, "You've just made null and void honor your father and mother." And so we we sinfully ignore this command when we don't care for when we don't number one those who are there's, that don't need our care when we don't show them deference and respect and, and, and honor them. Martha Jo was just in here earlier and I was going to walk her to her seat, but she wasn't feeling good. And she, she was trying to look for someone. I said, well, they're not here today. Do you need anything? No. And so she went. But you show respect to those who have gone before. When we don't do that, we, we sin. And then when it's time for us to care, those of us who have older and aging parents, let's not be pharisaical and do magic to get out of taking care of mother and father. One of the sweetest things to see in this congregation is to watch people. And maybe you don't even know you're being watched, but to hear about people when they're taking care of mom and daddy. That that speaks volumes to me. It says that's how you're supposed to do it. You, you take them to California. And along the way, you care for them along the way. You show them. You give them respect. You give them a place of honor. And you care for them. That's neat. You honor your father and mother by taking care of them. But there's some exceptions to this. There's some exceptions to this honoring father and mother. There's there's two of them. There's one I want to show that... Jesus loved the first commandment as much as he loved the fifth. And he would go on to say, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa, 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 Judd, what are you saying? What I'm saying is, and if you just go to the next slide, we are to love God more than we love our family. You must love your family less than you love Christ. You must love God more than you love your family. I love God more than I love you. And the very fact that I love God more than I love her, I love her as I ought. C.S. Lewis says, When I learn to love my heavenly dearest before my earthly dearest, I will love her better than I do now. That's good. Too many people in the day and age we live in, we put all the focus on the family. More often than not, if somebody throws, just they throw the card out there. Hey, I'm doing something with my family, and I can't touch it. Oh, you're doing something with your family. I obviously I have nothing, no right to speak into that now. No, that's not true. You, your family should be focused on God. The pinnacle of our parenting isn't just moralistic children. The pinnacle of our parenting is raising kids who loved Jesus. And Jesus would say, you better love God more than you love your family. And then we come to the one that may be on some of your minds, those who were raised in in dishonorable families. An anguished man came to Douglas Bond and said, how am I supposed to honor my father after what he's done to my mother? It was a good question. I knew... What this father had done, he'd run off with another woman, leaving his pregnant wife to pick up the pieces of the domestic disaster created by his profoundly dishonorable behavior. Nevertheless, God tells the young man to honor his father. Only hearts that have been brought brought near to God in Christ can truly honor mother and father, even parents who have acted dishonorably. Just as children obey your parents does not include obeying sinful commands So honoring father and mother does not include honoring his dishonoring behavior. Clearly, if Peter can urge first century believers to honor everyone, including Nero, who was putting Christians on the stake and burning them as torches for the city, then the command to honor parents isn't made void by having a dishonorable parent any more than the command to love your neighbor is void when we have neighbor who lobs beer cans over our fence." I'm just reading it. I didn't make that up. God, God's command still applies in a broken world of imperfect neighbors and dishonorable parents. They were gifted to us by our gracious Heavenly Father for just such a world. J.I. Packer says this. Should, one, sh- should one's parents impede one's discipleship, dis- disobedience to parents would become a necessary evil. And unfortunately, I I started thinking about this. We live in a day and age. I hope we go back to old school. I hope we go back to old fashioned because we live in a day and age now where there are some rough waters that we're going to have to navigate when parents are telling kids they're just acting dishonorably and then we can't come in and step in and help because parents are protected and it's just going to get awkward. This is going to become an issue of how do you Counsel. How do you shepherd people who are in dishonorable situations to be honorable but not to follow parents who are whatever, name it, the list that we read earlier. How do you coach that? How do you come alongside and help them remain faithful to the fifth commandment without doing something sinful? That's where we live today. And if you stop right there, you're like, Where's the hope? You've been talking about hope. You've been talking about help. I'm hurrying. I need that. No problem. Where do we always look? To Jesus. If you want to see this command perfectly fulfilled, Jesus as a teenager, teenager, young adult, I'm looking at him. This is Jesus. This is verses for you. These two verses. And he, Jesus, went down with them, his parents, and came to Nazareth. He, Jesus, continued in subjection, that's submissiveness, that's obeying mom and dad to them. And his mother mother treasured all these things in her heart. You want to see your mama treasure things in her heart? Walk in submission to them. In a day and age where it's not cool to walk in to submission to mom and dad, do so. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. His submission to his parents, even as the Son of God, who was there answering all the questions to those in the temple, followed mom and dad. That's what he did as a teenager, and it never stopped. As an adult, in John 2, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine. And he said to her, now here's how you have to read this. It's not woman. It's, if, if I had a, it's woman it's a term of endearment It's, mama what does this have to do with me you've been treasuring these things in your heart but my hour is not yet come and his mother said to the servant i love this whatever he says you do it he was he was guiding and saying mama this is this isn't right and as his mother uh, had need as jesus is on the cross in john 19 This idea of spiritual family comes right back. When Jesus saw his mother, that's his physical mother, Mary, and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, faster than Peter, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, another, again, term of endearment, behold your son. Here's Mary, his physical mother, here's John, one of his disciples, and he said, this is your family. Then he said to the disciple, come, your mother, And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household, which means he said, you're in my house. We're going to care for you. One of the greatest things that was said in our Sunday school class today, we're just talking about this idea of spiritual family and helping one another out. One man said, if you need anything, I'll give it to you. He goes, I got a shed full of things. I'll give it to you. And I think, I think I can say this. Now, if I misspeak, Come up after, and but I think of every family in here. You'd be willing to do that. You got, you need something. I look around and I see people who would give the shirt off their back, literally. You need something? I'll give it to you. You need to go somewhere? I'll go with you. Praise God, because that is showing that this church is following their Savior. So how do we how do we apply this? Children, you're probably saying, "Well, get to it." How do I apply this? Ephesians 6, children, and if you're the child of a parent, this applies to you. Obey your parents in the Lord, that is, by faith, for it is right. Then Paul quotes the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother. And he he adds a. Parentheses, this is the first commandment with a promise. We can do this. We can build a society that's going to honor God and we're going to bring good to the world if we will live out this command. And if this society does this, it will go better for all of us, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, notice who Paul addresses first here, raising families. Fathers, daddies. Don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ashley and I, Ashley had to catch me the other day. She said, hey, do you think we need to keep saying that to our kids? And I'm like, that's a good point. I don't want to exacerbate them. I don't want them not ever coming to mom and dad at any time. I want them to come to me at any time and ask me any question. So I've got to learn how not to provoke them. And you're saying, great. And I I think I can say this with confidence. Children in here who are less than 16, trust your mom and dad. They only have your best interest at heart. They've been there. They've done that. They've got a lot of t-shirts. Trust them. They care for you. And just like God sometimes doesn't reveal to us all that he's doing, though he has our best intent. Your parents may not tell you everything, but they have your best intents, and you're going to have to trust them. Because if they're following God, they're a picture of God to you. They're, in a sense, God is the ultimate authority, but they're authority over you. You obey them in the Lord as long as they're telling you what to do according to the Scripture. I'll say this, and I'll say it with confidence. If you're sitting in here and your parents are telling you not to read the Bible, you come talk to me and I'll go talk to them. But I don't think that's happening. What if you're here today and, 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 and it just didn't happen like that? Maybe mom and dad were dishonorable or maybe you were that kid that just didn't understand the fifth commandment. It was never taught to you and you treated your parents with disrespect, and there needs to be reconciliation. There's a verse for you. Romans twelve eighteen says this, If possible, you've got to get every piece of it. This is Scripture. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible. It may not be possible. So far as it depends on you, maybe reconciliation needs to be made between you and your parents. Um, Robert Lewis, in his series on authentic manhood, encourages men to go get right with their daddies it's the neatest thing in the world to see. My friend Shay Sumlin had to go get right, and he, it was a it was a neat day. He called his brother and his father together, and they went on a retreat because they wanted to, to, to reconcile. and So he realized that this idea of dishonorable home couldn't go left unchecked. Skip Ryan said in his sermon, we often commit the sins, we are bound to reproduce what we cannot forgive in our parents. So we need to learn to forgive them and move on, if possible. And if you've come... And, and, it, and you've fallen short, and you want to reconcile, here's the grace that's given to you. As long as you make that effort, that's all God's asking. God is sovereign. You are not. I can go seek to reconcile with my parents, with whoever I need to reconcile, and if I'm seeking that by faith, and it doesn't happen, that's all God's asking. You need to seek by grace. We're responsible for being faithful to what we've called to do. We are not responsible for the results. Okay? Because if you think, if I go do this, then this should have happened, then you're going to beat yourself up and there's going to be a bunch of false guilt. There's going to be a bunch of false guilt. I, I, this didn't happen. These are the three things I did. The result didn't come as I wanted. No, no, no. This didn't happen, and by grace through faith, you went to try to make it right. sometimes god's not gonna allow it and that's okay <laughs> by his grace and for his glory i was able to have one last meal With my dad. I wished it could have been much different. I wanted certain things. So far as it depended on me, I got one opportunity. And it wasn't completely. Didn't happen how I wanted it to happen. But I made peace as much as God allowed. It. He drove down. My mom and brother were sick. He drove hours to have dinner with me and drove back four hours that night. That's how much you care. And we got to make as much peace as God would have. And God took it. Are you going to have regrets? Absolutely. I remember a time when I was on the soccer field. My father was my coach. He was my coach from since I was six all the way through high school. And I said, I exchanged some words with him in front of other young men. Uh, If I could take it back, I would. God's sovereign. And he's forgiven that sin. And he allowed us to get where he wanted us to get. And you have to rest on that. You have to rest on that. So how do you apply this? Do what Jesus did. As a child, you walk in submission to your parents while never letting them get in the way with your relationship with God. And I don't think there's a parent in here today who's trying to keep these children in this room walking with God. And so children, walk in obedience to your parents. They get it. They've been there. They've done that. As an adult, Jesus guided his parents when necessary. while always respecting them. He always spoke respectful. And parents, be the way you talk about your spouse, that's going to communicate more to your kids than anything else. But as an adult, you may need to make that call, and you may need to make it today, and you may not have a chance to make that call. Or you may be in the middle of making that call. But as long as you want to make that call, God sees that and God extends much grace. And for those of us who are older and who have parents who are getting older, do you have a plan? I'm not saying there are different types, right? You move from submission to your parents as a youth to serving your parents when you're older. And it looks different for different people because different parents have different health issues, different wealth issues. There's some of you in here whose parents, or health is great and their wealth is great and your you're relating to them and honoring them in old age is going to be different than maybe mine where my mother needs my care. What does that look like? I don't know. But Ashley and I are thinking it through and we've thought through. She's She's got a mother and a father who are still here, but they're getting older. What if one of them passes away? And we're thinking through that because that's the honoring thing to do. And finally... Uh, When it was time, he provided for his mother. And so as we get older, we've got to make those changes. We move from submission to serving. And it looks different for different people. So if you're here today and you're a parent of a child, be honored. You You deserve it. If you're older, that is a good thing. It's a good thing. You don't have to look 13. It's a good thing. Titus says it. It's not up there, but it's, it's good. And I'll just say it. Older men, if you're in here and you're older, the Bible calls you older, you got gray hair, it's a good thing. Thank you. Older women, that's what it says in the scripture. Older women, be old. And enjoy it. We love you. You don't try to you don't have to be I mean be hip is be kind of hip, but not too hip. But enjoy your season of life. That's what I'm trying to say. If you're old if your kids are out of the house, pray you've raised kids, you've done it. Good for you. Now give us all your wisdom, and we'll take it. If you're in the middle of raising kids, Speak respectfully to your spouse. Do those things so they grow up and see, my daddy did this, my mama did that. It never stops. And you know that, those of you who are parents, you'll continue to point your children to Jesus even when they're older and keep doing that. Kiddos, and that includes all of us, obey. (laughs) Obey your mom and dad whether that's submitting to them under their authority or serving them as their new authority to some degree. Father, you're a good, good father. I thank you. In your fatherhood, for giving me Philip Marion Rumley and Sharon Ann Nelson. Or Sharon Ann Rumley, I thank you. I thank you also for Tom Nelson, for Spunky Adams. I thank you for the men in this congregation who are not afraid to keep this young kid in line. So as we go today and we celebrate communion for your glory and our good, might you be honored in all that we do and say. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.